Let's go around the horn, and I'll assume if you give me a go, you've got no instrumentation problems. Booster? Go flight. Retro? Go flight. Fighter? Go flight. Control? Telcom? Go. TNC? Econ? Capcom? Go. Surgeon? Go. ONC? Go. AFC? NIO? Go. Network? Go. You got everything up? Go. Hello, I'm Ian Christie, and this is Terranauts. This is the last episode of Season 1 of Terranauts, so I thought I would use it uh, as a way of looking back on the episodes we recorded this season. I wanted to talk about what themes emerged over the course of the season. Some of them were things I expected, and some were not. I also wanted to talk about what I learned over the season and how I'm hoping to apply those lessons as we prepare for Season 2. The original idea for Terranauts came from my experiences working in the space business over the last 30 years. I noticed that the things I did in my career were interesting to people in our business, but also to people who had no first-hand knowledge of space. I noticed that people liked to hear stories about the adventure of going to space, even when it didn't actually involve getting on a rocket and going there in person. So the tagline became that the podcast was going to be about people who go to space but don't actually leave the planet. And eventually that led to the name Terranauts. I wanted the podcast to be a celebration of the contributions that Terranauts have made and continue to make to the human endeavor into outer space. It is an absolute truth that it takes many humans on the ground to get one human or even one human invention into space. That has always been true and will likely be true for the foreseeable future. So the point of the matter is that the vast majority of humans that have been involved in going to space have never left the planet, at least not physically. But I guess that's the really important point to me. The physical presence of a human in space is only the apogee of the exercise. We could and cannot get to that point without the imagination, invention, innovations, analysis, and careful, disciplined engineering of people who can see and understand what space is like and what it will do to machines, computers, and human beings. Without the Terranauts' ability to foresee and plan for being in space, we could not send anything or anybody there and expect them to survive. Perhaps the ultimate expression of that reality is Apollo 13, which we talked about in the 13th episode. The Apollo 13 mission control team worked to save the lives of astronauts that were more than 300,000 kilometers away, experiencing a set of failures that they had not seen before and that they could only characterize using the observations of the crew on board and the limited telemetry that they had access to. They needed to be able to literally put themselves on board that spacecraft to be able to understand what was happening and what they could do about it. In the end, that team was able to reach out to that crippled spacecraft and help that crew bring it and themselves home safely. In a very real sense, that mission control team embodies and epitomizes what it is to be a Terranaut. Most of the time, the Terranaut experience is a bit more mundane, thankfully, than Apollo 13. But even a boring day in space can be pretty interesting, so... I set out to find some Terranauts to talk to in the hopes that they would have interesting stories to tell. I wasn't disappointed, and I hope that you haven't been either. 
In the end, the Terranauts that we found covered a wide range of careers and experiences. Most of the Terranauts have been doing this for a pretty long time, though not very many have been doing it for as long as Mac Evans, who started his career in the 70s. Many Terranauts knew that they were going to work in space from a young age. People like Mac and Gilles Leclerc and Chris Hadfield set out to go to space and ultimately found a way to do so. But many did not. Quite a few were interested in space, but like Stéphane Germain or Dave Williams or Mike Lyon, they had successful careers outside of space before serendipity pulled them back in. Some, like Bill Mackey or Daniel Shulton, Gordon Azinski or Ewan Reed, came to the space business almost by accident, but when presented with the opportunity, they took it, and they've never really looked back. But for all of the Terranauts, one thing is true. Having touched and been touched by space, they were forever changed. My favorite example of that this season was my conversation with Hugh Scully and Karis Goodall, two people who never really thought about the space business until by great good fortune for me, I met them and dragged them into our world. It was an experience that they freely admit changed them. In our interview, they both admitted that the experience of being a Terranaut had made a difference to them professionally and personally and permanently. That point in my discussion with them is one of my favorite moments in the past season. At that moment, they reinforced my conviction that the subject of Terranauts is something worth talking about. They were simple and direct and honest, and they explained in ways that I never could why going to space is an important thing for humans to do, even if you don't leave the planet to do it. We also found out this season that you don't have to be a test pilot or an engineer or a scientist to be a Terranaut, although we certainly featured all of those this season. We found out, I think, in a strange way, that being a geologist is a really good choice if you want to leave the planet, since we had two of those. But we also found out that you can do it if you're a doctor, or even a lawyer, for heaven's sakes. In the end, we learned that to be a Terranaut, you don't have to have a plan to be one from the day you start your education. But you do have to be alive to the opportunities when they present themselves. If this season proved anything, it is that there are many, many ways to leave the planet. But if you want to go, you have to get on board. I think uh, we learned a few other central truths about going to space this season. Uh, one of them is that you get to space by going to a lot of meetings. Seriously, that came up a lot, like really a lot. It was something I knew, of course, but I don't think I was prepared for how obvious it would be in so many conversations. When I first said it to Mac Evans back in the second episode, it was just something I thought of at the time, and it was kind of a funny comment. And it's not a difficult insight to have when you listen to Mac's experiences. But as the season went on, I found myself making that same remark over and over and over again. And the fact of the matter is that it really is true. It does take a lot of time in meetings to get anything into space. And that's because nobody gets to space alone. Going to space is always a collective exercise, and because it is both difficult and worthwhile, everyone involved has a lot at stake. And that means that a significant and continuous amount of discussion is required to achieve alignment or get everybody on the same page. The simple fact of the matter is 
that the margin for success in any space endeavor is thin enough that if everyone is not working toward the same goal, you probably won't get there. As with any activity involving human beings, that means that a lot of discussion is required. And that means going to a lot of meetings. The alternative, not having enough people who are interested to show up for the meetings, is actually a lot worse, believe me. We also learned that projects and endeavors that take humans to space come in many shapes and sizes. Some of them are very large. The granddaddy of them all has to be the International Space Station. And we talked off and on about that many times this season, including Mac's fascinating stories about actually negotiating the international treaty that made it a reality. We also learned that going to space can happen on a much smaller scale as well. Stefan Germain and his experience in literally building, launching, and operating his own satellite is a testament to that. We learned that teams that get to space can be large and diverse. Alan Thompson told us a little bit about that when he described trying to manage an engineering team that spanned four time zones, even if they were all in one country. We also learned that space really does transcend national borders. If there is one theme that came up more than any other, it was the international nature of space. We talked an awful lot about working in that international arena, and I think we talked a lot about how the last 30 years or so has seen an evolution in international space programs that has, ultimately, been good for space but also for international relations. Many of the Terranauts we talked to spent some time on this topic. It started with Mac Evans, of course, but we ended the season talking to Gilles Leclerc, who basically had a job as a space diplomat. Bill Mackey talked about the experience of being a Canadian and breaking into the club of people who operate spacecraft on orbit. In the days when Bill was becoming one of Canada's first flight controllers, it was a pretty small and exclusive club indeed. And the members of that club were pretty skeptical about inviting new members in. But thanks to the efforts of many Terranauts like Bill, and to the incredible advances in connectivity of our world, we can now talk to people like Stefan, who can literally watch their spacecraft from their desktop. We heard a lot about the internationalization of space from other Terranauts. Chris Hadfield talked about the experience of flying fighter missions to intercept Russian aircraft at one point in his career, only to find himself eventually working and living with Russians who might easily have been flying the bombers he was intercepting. We also talked about what it was like in the early days to work with the Russians and others in an environment where NASA and the established actors in space were not really sure that was a good idea. In the end, they also showed that space needed to become more international, open, and entrepreneurial. And it has done so as their experience and the experience of people like Ewan Reed, who has worked in environments as traditional as Mission Control in Houston and as unique as the volcanic mountains of Iceland will attest. In some ways, it is the real wonder of the space business that programs both very large and small have become more international to the point where working with anyone at any time is almost taken for granted by people working in space. And that has reinforced another one of the convictions that I started this journey with. It has long been a feeling of mine that going to space represents a class of human activity that we have been engaging in as humans for a very, very long time, probably since we started being, well, human. I think I can certainly see it back as far as the ancient times in Greece, 
I have spoken and written before about the Greek politician Themistocles and what he must have said to his fellow Athenians when he convinced them to put a significant amount of their collective wealth and work into building the biggest and most modern navy that the world, at least as they knew it, had ever known. To my mind, he must have sounded a bit like John F. Kennedy when he exhorted Americans to go to the moon, not because it was easy, but because it was hard. I think there is something innate in humans that makes us want to do big, challenging, hard things, but to do them with others. I think we have always done this. I think in part it's why we are still here. It is literally in our DNA to identify big challenges, to analyze them, and to work together to overcome them. Going to space is just one of the more modern ways that this need finds expression. Now, because the alternative human need is to separate ourselves into tribes, throw insults, pointy things, and ultimately explosives at one another, I think it's a really good idea to encourage this one instead. It's another reason why working on leaving the planet, whether you go there or not, is a good thing to do. So I guess that brings us to the other parts of Season 1, the parts that weren't about talking to Terranauts. They were about talking about being a Terranaut. In these episodes, I started talking a bit about my own experience as a Terranaut. I started off talking about what went into the making of me as a Terranaut, but as the season went on, I found that I was also wanting to talk about what goes into making the space program and how that shapes the experiences of the humans that are involved. Some of the episodes centered on my personal experiences. Uh, of these, launch day is the most obvious example. The moments described there are indelibly etched not only on my memory, but on me as a person. Some of the episodes involved me talking a bit more about what it's like, in general, to work in the space business, and in mission control in particular. In the episode on Apollo 13, I mused about what it must have been like to be there, and many things about the culture and practices of mission control that still benefit from the experiences of that generation of flight controllers. At the end of the season, we inaugurated a new series of episodes that I'm calling A Terranaut's Guide to Leaving the Planet. These episodes are part history lesson and part science and engineering blog. The departure for me is that they involve discussing topics with which I have really no first-hand knowledge. I think that that fact is why I was a little bit hesitant to start down this road. I have been an avid consumer of podcasts, particularly history podcasts, for a long time. Is there anyone else out there who idolizes Mike Duncan and the history of Rome? If you don't know what I'm talking about, you really should find out. Google it. But because I was a fan of the genre, I also knew that to be good at it takes a lot of effort outside of simply recording a regular episode. It takes time to write the episodes, and it also takes a lot of time to do the research. And I wasn't sure I was ready to put in that kind of effort in order to make the kinds of episodes that I would be proud of and that you would want to listen to. But after having tried it a couple of times, I think it's something I'm going to enjoy doing. In fact, I'm finding that the research is actually one of my favorite things. I'm reading a book right now by Gene Krantz of Apollo 13 fame about the early days and mission control, and it is truly fascinating. I expect to hear more about that next season for sure. So what can you expect in season two? Well, hopefully you can expect more of the things that kept you coming back to listen every couple of weeks. 
I do intend to keep finding interesting Terranauts to talk to. Honestly, though, I would like to add to the diversity of people that I talk to. I'd like to find more Terranauts that are involved in parts of the industry with which I have less experience. I would, frankly, like to find more that are of um, a newer generation. Uh, not that I want to call my guests of this year old, but let's face it, we are drawn from a group that is, shall we say, uh, pre-millennial. I'd also, frankly, like to have more women. Karis Goodall was the only woman this season, and it wasn't enough. I'd like to have more international guests from places other than Canada and the United States. But the issue I have, honestly, is that the people I have been talking to are the people I know, or who know people I know. In order to increase the diversity of the guest base here, I think I need your help, dear listeners. The first thing that you could do would be to write me with suggestions. That would certainly help. The second through fifth things that you could do, as always, are the things that make the podcast more widely listened to. Uh, recite them with me. <laughs> Rate or review the podcast. Respond with comments or recommend it to a friend. And I'm actually quite serious. The more widely known and listened to the podcast becomes, the easier it will be to find guests who want to be on the show. I'd love someday to get to the point where people are asking me if they can actually be on Terranauts. But honestly, we're a long way from that dream right now. But you never know. In addition to hearing from Terranauts directly, I think you'll probably find that there is more of the Terranauts Guide content next season. I'm hoping that the break gives me the time to get a bit ahead on the research so I can put together more of those episodes. My idea for now is to continue to trace the development of the modern space program and along the way talk in some detail about the challenges that were faced and overcome along the way. Uh, the next episode is almost certainly going to be about the great space race. Names like Sputnik and Redstone, Mercury and Gemini will certainly feature prominently. I think we'll probably pick up where we left off in rocket science and technical terms too, and we'll talk about how we learn to monitor, guide, and control spacecraft as they traveled across and over the entire face of the planet with technology that still featured vacuum tubes and teletype machines. I expect that there will also be episodes that talk about a whole host of other interesting challenges in things like orbital mechanics and the physics of getting from Earth to other celestial bodies, with issues about how to come back to Earth safely once you've actually managed to leave the planet. We'll almost certainly talk about life support systems and medical challenges of living and working in space. We'll probably talk about satellite communications and Earth observation and a host of other things that we have discovered that we can do more effectively from space than any other way. In short, there will be lots to talk about. I'm looking forward to it, and I really hope that you are as well. For now, this is going to be a wrap on Season 1 of Terranauts. Please don't hesitate to reach out to us at podcast at spaceq.ca if you have comments or suggestions or even your own stories to tell. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. Come on, let's keep the chatter down. 